Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later, we'll hear about the fundraiser Let's Dance happening in Springfield this weekend from some of the dancers and organizers that are involved. And we'll get to release our inner child when we speak with Liz Rosenberger of the Toy Box in Amherst about their So You Think You Are Too Old for a Toy Store Challenge. And our resident wordster, Emily Brewster, senior editor at Merriam-Webster, shows us the liminal space between the active and passive voice. But first, let's head to the Berkshires. I'll tell you a story about Joey. Joey uh, and his wife came to the food pantry because they were hungry. And Mary Wheat has this innate ability to see possibilities in people. And so she asked Joey if he would help with the parking lot, helping people get parked and move their cars and back out safely and stuff like that. And so Joey said, absolutely. And so he, he got his Superman costume on and he got a a player that could play CDs and he plays all this rock and roll, jazzy, fun (laughs) music and it just blares out. So people, when they come in here and they see this happy, joyful man, little, he, little he's real short, and, but he is full of energy. And then he became our sextant, our janitor here. He's just been a wonderful personality for this whole set, setup. We are on South Street at the South Congregational Church at the South Community Food Pantry in Pittsfield. That's a lot of South. Yeah, it's South Country, yep, it is. There's one, one correction. This is, we are merging with First Congregation, so this is South, First South, South First Congregation. Wow. We'll have a new name soon, which won't be so complicated. But what's important is that this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, food pantries, certainly for Pittsfield, and for I think Berkshire. and for, for Berkshire County yeah. just writ large. Yep. What's your name? Mary Wheat. It's not lost on me that a person with the last name Wheat is responsible <laughs> for helping to feed so many people in this community. Even with the cereal chair. Yes, and we'll get to the cereal chair in a minute. And what's your name? Pam Coopers. Tell us about the relationship that this pantry has, first off, with the community of faith. So many of the places that people can go for emergency food are associated with churches, synagogues, mosques, and other organizations of faith. Ah, well, we're separating, and we're 5013C now. Oh, nice. So it's not a faith-based, but it's a community-based food pantry. Is this building, the pantry itself, still technically part of the church, or is this now your own separate entity as well? It's part of the church. Mm-hmm. We're renters, mm-hmm. if you will. But we became a 501c3 because we wanted grant money. And grant money doesn't usually come to churches so much because we might buy Bibles with them. Right. But we don't buy Bibles. We buy food. <laughs> there are free Bibles in your hotel room if you need one anyway. <laughs> there you go. How long have you been working with this food pantry, Mary Wheat? Uh, I don't know exactly, but a few years. Mm-hmm. Over 20 what about you, Pam? I've been working with it for about 12 or 13 years. I'm the treasurer. What has becoming a nonprofit changed about the way that you get food and give it to the people? Nothing. Because, right, Mary, we don't, I mean, we we do it the same way. It's just every penny we ever got went for food or to support the food, like refrigerators, tables and carts and stuff like that. So it's the same process. It's just... We are our own entity. Mm-hmm. For one example, if you see the walk-in coolers and freezers back there, we took the stage down with a grant. We bought the coolers, walk-in coolers and freezer, uh, with a grant. 
we got a new floor put in because, good gosh, we had torn up this floor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing we can do now is get grant money for improving the facility for the community. About how many people in the community are coming to this food pantry, say, on a weekly or monthly basis? We have 900 households that come every week or we deliver to. They have dairy, milk, cheese, eggs. They have meat, they have produce, and bread and dessert. We have diapers. You have stuff for, for babies, which is really, really in demand. Diaper banks are starting to pop up in communities as well, in addition to food banks, because that's another need that's not met and is not federally subsidized in any way, really. Well, we get the diapers from the Diaper Project, and, uh, and this week we were lucky enough to have Feminine Project with, as you see, uh, tampons. Yeah. Funny how things for menstruation and general gynecological health is on the need list. It's also because SNAP doesn't buy them. I just pulled up an email that one of the pantry board members sent to me, and these are some of the things that we do monthly. Mm. WIC comes here. Uh, wellness clinic mm-hmm. comes. Berkshire Center for Justice comes. What do they work with people on? Mental health, substance use and recovery, behavioral health, urgent care. Brain Center comes to help women that are struggling. And the same thing happens in Spanish. We do a lot here. Something exciting that happened for you personally and for the community writ large, Mary Wheat, the wheat giver of Pittsfield, <laughs> is that you asked for shredded wheat and other cereals for your 90th birthday, which you celebrated last month. Tell us about why you asked for that and how the community responded. Well, they expressed that remarkably well, fantastically. We asked because we filled the boxes for the delivery, and this was just one item. And it took 900 boxes to fill everybody's box one time. And so we came up with the 900. But we were very lucky because we got 5,900 boxes. That's incredible. So you're turning 90. 900 people come here a week, or families. You want 900 boxes of cereal to give one to all the families that come here. And the community comes out in force and bombards you with <laughs> six times as much as you asked for. Thank you for doing the math, because I was about to have a, love to struggle with it. And we can see where we are right now in the pantry that is part of this church on South Street, the boxes and boxes of boxes of cereal, as well as a cereal throne that they created for you. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> and a scepter. And a scepter. And a scepter. <laughs> How else are you going to eat your cereal without a scepter? And we were lucky enough to receive a lot of bananas this week from Stop and Shop. I can oh. see them. So we have bananas to go with the cereal. That is nice. nice. We're speaking with Mary Wee and Pam Cooper from the South Community Food Pantry here in Pittsfield. This food pantry is an ecumenical group of people. There are people that are from Christian backgrounds, Jewish backgrounds. No backgrounds. No backgrounds, (laughs) no religious affiliation. They care about their town and the hungry people in it and how sad is it that we have to have food for 900 families every week Mm -hmm. that's how how tough it is here what are some of the stories that you that have touched you about your time working here well i'll probably think of it after you leave (laughs) (laughs) but everybody's very grateful very appreciative 
What about Char? A lot of the volunteers have come and then because of need and then they stay and they work. Mm. They volunteer here. A lot of people. So Char cooks breakfast Wednesday and Thursday mornings. For because you do hot meals too, right? A hot dinner on Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. But Char started, no, she didn't start the, the breakfast, but she has, she's still doing it. And it's just, it's just amazing. Yes, it's like 150 to 170 a shot. And that's in addition to the 900 people that are coming yes. for their box of food mm -hmm. every week. Yes. Yeah. Has delivery always been a part of it? When did deliveries start? 20, about five years ago. She, it was like, well, I don't know. When we first started, we had 25 at a housing sort of project. And then it just developed and developed. And then with COVID, it really went Slowly, way big. Yeah. And it's still growing. We have 450 about deliveries. So half? So 400. I thought it was just 300. <laughs> <laughs> you're the treasurer. Now you're going to have to figure out how to fill that gap. So half of half of the families you supply get it delivered. That's impressive, too. Well, yes. What's your relationship with the Food Bank of Western Mass? They supply a, a truck every Tuesday mm -hmm. for the big Y. It brings up the food. And... Um, we get some food uh, from them, and then we get a lot from donations. And Berkshire Bound, he's been very helpful. We get chicken and eggs and vegetables from them. What are they? They're... It's an organization that's in South County, but it does all of Berkshire County, really. Mm -hmm. More they pick up food from the different grocery stores. Do they, they work with, with local farms, too, picking yes. up uh, some of their product yes. to share? Yeah. In Pittsfield, we have 12.7% that are below poverty level. Mm -hmm. And the county in Massachusetts only has 10.4%. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people here. And I know that they have school lunches for everybody. Yeah, that's recent from the whole state level, which is big. Yeah. What are some of the causes that you're seeing of why people are having to come here? Well, we have a lot of new people here, like immigrants. Mm -hmm. And I just heard today that there's a lot of Haitian, no, that's not how you say, yeah. people from Haiti coming yeah. here. <laughs> There's uh, 10 new families of 50 people staying at the hotel that's right here. Yeah. And we haven't seen them yet. I think at least 50%, if not 60, speak Spanish or non-English speaking, I should say, yeah. people. And they're trying to, they, most of them have some kind of a job, but it doesn't make ends meet. And if they have family, it's hard. And transportation. And transportation. Oh, yes. Because here we, we have buses, but they don't always go where people live, or they can walk here. But it's hard to lug the food home. Is there a bag limit for the Pittsfield, but there is not? Okay. On yeah. the buses. On the buses. Oh, I don't know. PBTA, for some of their lines, has a bag limit, which is one of the thing, the problems that they encounter there with families that are using pantries. Say your family is like, you know, five or six people, but that means that, like, you've got to fit all of that into, like, two bags to get Ooh. back on the bus to take back home. Ooh. becomes a bit of a problem. <laughs> I don't think we have that here. Otherwise, I would have heard about it from Patty. <laughs> Patty's our special needs person that comes and volunteers, and she's very good at stacking cans and things on the shelf. But she knows her transportation. She goes all over on the bus. So tell us what a typical uh, distribution looks like here at the South Community Food Pantry. Well, people come in through one of the doors at the back, and they check in at the computers. This is a big room, and they can come around and pick what they want. They don't have to take anything. Yeah. 
if you got a nut allergy, peanut butter is not going to do you any good that week. Correct. Right. And maybe you like this and not that. So that's what you choose. So we, we want people to go home with what they want. We don't want them to take home food and throw it away or something, mm. you know. Defeats the whole purpose. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you find that there are certain things that you don't order anymore because they've been left over after a couple of distribution mornings? What shouldn't people donate to this particular food pantry that you have enough of? Cereal, one. <laughs> well, cereal will be going down very quickly, so <laughs> then people do like it. They like soup, which we don't have any of. Mm. And they like tuna fish. They like spaghetti. Oh, they like the uh, Ziploc, like Chef Boyardee, because of the homeless. We have a lot of homeless people, and they don't need a candle burner. Oh, they yeah, can just nice. zip up the top. Mm-hmm and they can eat it. You know, they don't have to, it doesn't have to be cooked. See what else, they like the nuts because it's protein and they like the canned fruit and rice is a big seller or giver. (laughs) (laughs) But money is always preferred here to buy those things with. I wanted to tell you, we do buy milk and um, last month in September is the last one, we uh, spent $6,000 on milk. And the same for the produce, and that's only part of the produce because we get some from the food bank. That was 5700 So we need donations. So that you can keep buying that milk. So we can, yes, and the produce. Produce is a big thing if people want to eat nutritiously. We can go buy cases of stuff for a whole lot less per can or box than what you can go buy it for. Mm-hmm. So money really helps us feed more people than what donations would do. What type of food does the food bank send when they send food every week from their central hub in Chicopee? It varies. We have a list to choose from. What so they you have get to available. go and, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you, well, no, I mean, it goes on the email. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they send the, it comes up here in the big Y truck. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a small grocery store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's about 500 families, more now than there were two years ago. Mm. And it's only going to go up. Yeah. And, and yeah. The, you know, the migrant crisis that yeah. the whole state is experiencing. Well, and the programs that were opened in COVID ending, mm-hmm. like, earlier this year is part of the growth, too. That's true. Mary Wheat, you just turned 90 in October. Congratulations. And congratulations. <laughs> I and, made it. <laughs> and you, you asked for 900 boxes of cereal, and the community came forward with five times, almost six, six times, six times, six times as a much. A little over six times, actually. As much <laughs> cereal as you asked for. How many boxes of cereal are you going to ask for when you turn 100? Uh, I think I might vary it. Have cereal plus peanut butter or something like that. Yeah. You're an inspiration. <laughs> yes, she is. Well, everybody yes, else, is. everybody else does that well, though. Thank you both so much for taking so much time and telling us about the work that you're doing here. Well, thank you for coming and being willing to share it. It does smell nicely of bananas in here, I will say. It's thanks to the cereal queen, <laughs> Pittsfield. Long may she rain. Was a time when I did not. The March for the Food Bank from Springfield to Greenfield is coming up November 20th and 21st. You can learn more about it and how you can join us at foodbankwma.org. Soon we'll get down with the Ballers, one of the teams taking the stage for Let's Dance, a fundraiser for Pathlight happening this weekend. But next, the Word Nerd shows us around the active voice, the passive voice, and a little-known third option we didn't even know we had. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NAPM. 
The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, homegrown in Hatfield, Massachusetts, and providing energy savings for their customers for over 10 years. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. I only know Greenfield results. That's all you need to know as a Greenfield resident. The Greenfield is the the most surprising and interesting one out of all of them, really. Yeah, I think nobody really expected. I think people expected that she would give uh, the mayor a run for her money, but But I don't think people expected a landslide. Destroy her the way that she did. What are we talking about? Uh, we're going to talk about active and passive voice. (gasps) Yay! (laughs) Wow. So, like, because some people were active in the election and some people were passive. Sure. Well, this segment is wanted to be begun by me now. No. (laughs) Time for our regular word nerd segment with Emily Brewster, Greenfield resident, but our resident wordster from Merriam-Webster in Springfield, and we're going to talk about the active versus the passive voice. For those who aren't grammar nerds, tell us what the difference is between the active and the passive voice. Well, if we want to kind of put it in terms of my employer, we could say that the Merriam-Webster dictionary is written in Springfield, Massachusetts. That, or we could say people write the Merriam-Webster dictionary in Springfield, Massachusetts. When we say the dictionary is written, you don't really know who is doing the writing, right? Write is the verb and you don't know who's doing it. That means it's in the passive. Mm -hmm. People write the dictionary, puts it in the active in the passive voice, it isn't always hidden. You could say the dictionary is written by these people, right? And then you have who does the writing, but it's not in the subject position of the sentence. Are you suggesting that we should more frequently use the active voice rather than the passive voice for clarity and emphasis? There are some who make that assertion, but no, they're they're both valid and useful in different situations. The active voice is absolutely more direct, but sometimes you don't want to be direct. Like if I don't care who spilled a jar full of buttons on the floor in my house, right? I don't really care. I just want them to be cleaned up. Say a jar of buttons was spilled. Can somebody (laughs) please clean it up? (laughs) Right. So if you want to get out of trouble for spilling buttons, you just say a jar of buttons was spilled, not I spilled a jar of buttons. But it also allows you, especially in journalism, to allow a certain amount of distance between the action that has happened and the people that are involved so that you're not pointing fingers like with a jar of marbles that has been spilled across that kitchen floor. Exactly. And there is a lot of criticism when journalists use the passive voice in a way that seems to protect someone who has um, behaved badly. This was in May of 2020. And the New York Times, in the same tweet, they tweeted this out. Minneapolis, a photographer was shot in the eye. Washington, D.C., protesters struck a journalist with his own microphone. Louisville, a reporter was hit by a pepper ball on live television by an officer who appeared to be aiming at her. And then that was retweeted by Rebecca Tracer, the writer. Um, and she wrote, passive voice is for when the state does violence. Active voice is for when a protester does. Got it. Ah, uh, interesting way to break it down. Yeah. The yep, politics of which grammar you decide to use. Mm-hmm. Right, because the, which, the one that you choose really does, uh, it does affect what you're communicating because it does change the emphasis for sure. It creates a lot of distance, so it can kind of lessen the impact and import of what you're saying. Right. You know, in a quick Google search of active versus passive voice, one that really stands out to me as a fun one is 
mistakes were made. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Politicians. Quite uh, possibly my favorite. Uh, historically, you know, going back to the Watergate scandal, and I think even before, mistakes were made. It's a, it's a linguistic way to try to get out of jail. Right. I don't think it means you're gonna, but it's a good way to try. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As opposed to, uh, like, my favorite active voice one, which I think is, I have regrets. Yes. <laughs> E.B. White, you all are familiar with, with E.B. White, the author of Charlotte's Web. Yes, yeah, that's, and, that's and, some pig is just his passive voice. Yeah. It's <laughs> the pig is more active, I think. No? no. Some pig. You don't suppose that spider is... We have received a sign. That's some pig. No, that is no. That's that's it's, not. It's passive. neither. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Charlotte's Web and other books. There's a very famous book written by E.B. White with um, William Strunk. It's called. It's often called Strunk and White: The Elements of Style. Mm, and right. people have said that this book completely rips apart the passive voice and says you should never use that. And that's not actually true. It just says that it's the active voice is usually more direct and vigorous than the passive. It really focuses on the vigor, which I, I, I feel like we don't use the term vigor so often in, in conversations about grammar, and maybe, maybe we should. Only when coupled with vim. Yeah, but it is true. There is more vigor when you use the active voice. There is a third category. I only learned about it since the time I've worked at Merriam-Webster, which is now a very long time. But, um, I never learned about it in high school, learning about grammar, learning about passive and active voice. Do you know what it is? Have you heard of it? No, is but it now I'm intrigued. Yeah, it sounds okay. like if this is a car, there's like forward and reverse. So I'm going with neutral. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. What about if I say this window opens really easily? Is that in the active voice or the passive voice or something else? That is definitely something else. The verb is open, but the window isn't opening anything. Oh, yeah. The window is being opened by an agent who is absent from this sentence. Right. So we've anthropomorphized the window. Who is it, Mr. Window? Or we've just removed the agent so that yeah. it ends up being neutral like passive voice, but not quite as passive as passive voice. Ghost voice. Ghost voice. I am my father's spirit. Doomed for a certain term to walk the night. Well, it has a has a, a, a little bit more boring name. It is the medio passive voice. Oh yeah, because mediums can talk to ghosts. No, you relax. You're the dead guy. You want me to help you? You better apologize. I was thinking of it as more like medium, like mediocre voice. Oh yeah. Also, it's so medium. But it's really useful because it allows you to have just a little bit more momentum in your sentence than you would have by leaving it in passive voice. Yeah, it also doesn't, yeah. It doesn't sh make it seem like you're a show off. I opened this window so easily. Makes it seem like, <laughs> look at me. But if you're like, this is just a great window, it opens so easily. I feel like this is the realm of, of real estate agents everywhere. Right. Oh, you know, another good example is the house sold in four days. Now, in that case, the real estate agent is not tooting their own. Horn, they are saying that you know the house is the thing. They're emphasizing that the house was sold without really talking about the agent at all. We should change the name from medio passive voice to realtor voice. It's often really a critic's voice. Mm. Mm -hmm. You think about like somebody is reviewing a, a restaurant, reviewing this soup. Oh, this this soup, you know, kind of eats salty. It's uh, right. like mm. it's you know where where the this car drives smoothly. I love salt. I know you I just do to put it alarming there. things with salt. I know. I'm surprised that I mean both at your sugar consumption in general. My blood from earlier bleeds salty. Thank <laughs> you, blood kind, pressure. Is that kind of like 
modest mouse ish. The ocean breathes salty. That you bleed yeah. salty. Yeah. What about wine, Monty? In the oh. context of wine, you drink wine, but do you ever say that a wine drinks? Oh yes. Somehow, that wine isn't doing the drinking. It's still you. We all know. Mistakes were made. Give me an example of something like, oh, this wine drinks. Well, this wine drinks easily. Yes, yeah, smoothly. It's, it's, a, but I would also, I wouldn't usually use that. I'd say like, this is a porch pounder. I'd say yeah, like. Yeah, but like I, I, for something that has like heavy tannins, I definitely have said like, oh, this wine fights. This wine drinks above its cost. Yes. So you'd say like, this wine drinks <laughs> like a $50 wine, even though it's a $20 wine. Right. So that one. Interesting. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's definitely the medio passive. Right. Because the wine is not doing any drinking, but it is the experience of someone who is drinking the wine. Right. It's an assessment of it. Mm -hmm. The medio passive. The kinds of verbs that are used in the medio passive voice are classified as ergative verbs, which is another word that doesn't really get tossed around much in grammar classes. It's too ergivating. It's not ergonomically yeah. nice in the mouth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the root, Kalish. <laughs> that's the root. Like ergo, the, you know, the, the same work. Ergatis is Greek for worker. So it has to do with working. And in Inuit and Georgian, apparently, there are many more ergative verbs. The object, the transitive verb, and the subject of intransitive verbs are typically marked by the same linguistic forms. Cool. We don't really do much marking of our verbs, but in other languages they do. Do we have but any we examples in English? we do ergative verbs. So, which, so use one, ergatively. Okay, how about the word sound? You can say the alarm sounded and we sounded the alarm. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Sound is an ergative verb. I sounded the alarm is definitely in the active voice, right? The alarm was sounded is in the passive voice. The alarm sounded loud is still in the active voice because the alarm is sounding. <laughs> so the action being qualified, usually with an adverb or verbial phrase, is kind of is being evaluated. So the alarm sounded successfully, then that would be in the medio passive. The alarm sounded successfully. That is so unidiomatic, though. That's a terrible example. <laughs> Nobody would ever say that. You can do it's it. Really, it's but just, should that should you? be struck from the record. Can yeah. you just strike that from this? Are we talking to AI Emily Brewster all of a sudden? <laughs> no. Something's wrong here. <sighs> But now I just want to use sound for all of the parts of the word. And I think that you can if you're referring to sound as a body of water. Oh, yeah. The sound sounded. <gasps> That's a noun. Yes. But then you say the sound sounded. Well, soundily is terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. No, it's, but it's, you can really, keep going. it's really, really terrible. Yeah. 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 I think we I think it's really much more helpful to think of verbs that are maybe more common, like drive. You drive the car, the car drives smoothly. And you that... eat the soup, the soup eats salty. Medio passive, medio passive. You can say medio too, okay. I think. But I don't I want mean, to. You know, whatever you want. We're very permissive over here. I know. That's the best thing about Merriam-Webster. No rules. English is malleable. Well, actually, at the entry, it, the pronunciation guide does say medio passive, but you can use a pronunciation that is not noted in the dictionary. And, um, and people can criticize you for it and say that that is not, you know, not a recognized pronunciation, Monty, but you can do that. But you? that's the worst insult that they could possibly give you because they can't tell you it's wrong. You just be like, it's not recognized by Mer Merriam-Webster. It's like passive voice insult. Mistakes were made. <laughs> I have regrets. <laughs> Next week's the week before the March. It might be fun to do some like uh, fun food related words. Oh, okay. Okay, I can do that. 
On the way, we get to be kids again. We don't have to be kids to play with toys, Monty. And that's the whole point of a challenge happening at the Toy Box in Amherst. And we'll find out more with proprietor Liz Rosenberg. But next, we boogie with the stars and with dance team The Ballers as we hear about Pathlight's Let's Dance fundraiser happening in Springfield this weekend. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Pathlight is a private nonprofit community organization that supports children, teens, and adults with developmental disabilities and their families. It's directed by a volunteer board of family members of individuals with developmental disabilities and community members. Founded in 1952 by five mothers of young children with developmental disabilities, Pathlight was the first organization in Hampden County dedicated to serving individuals with these disabilities. Together, these mothers and their families joined forces in Western Massachusetts and beyond to create a movement designed to create opportunities, build relationships, relationships and improve lives of those with developmental disabilities. Since then, Pathlight has continued to pioneer innovate programs designed to meet emerging needs. Now more than 70 years later, Oh, wow, that's a long time. Jeez. Pathlight serves <laughs> families of Western Mass and Northern Worcester County. And this Saturday, November 11th, the folks involved in this organization are holding a fundraiser at the Sheraton in downtown Springfield called Let's Dance, a night of dancing and celebration to support the many programs they provide. We're joined in the studio by the dance team, The Ballers, made up of Sydney Meininger, Billy McBride, an instructor who's the choreographer here, Lauren Engelbrecht, as well as the Pathlight Communications Director, Leslie Tang. Thank you all uh, for joining us in the studio. Let's, I, I mean, the dance part of it is really fun. And Khalees, you're going to be a judge at this. The I am Sheridan going to be a judge Saturday. at this. Are you, have you danced judge before? Not something like this, <laughs> no. I'm excited to see what, what ends up happening. Uh, I'm excited, too. Well, maybe we should talk with the choreographer first. Lauren, tell us, what was your vision and what song is this team, the ballers, going to be dancing to? <laughs> This is my fourth year working on Let's Dance as a choreographer, and my mission every year when I meet my partners is to find a song that speaks to them. Uh You know, for folks who have never gotten up on stage before, or maybe very few times, you need to have something that's going to make you happy and you're going to be into because it makes the experience so much better. Um, So the song that we chose as a a team, Sydney was a big fan, is Space Jam by... But it's from the movie Space Jam. The new one or the old one? The old one, the original. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know who does the Space Jam Space theme, Jam, but... it's a W. Whoa. Well, I just Googled like... it. Who does the Space Jam song? It's not the Wu-Tang Clan. It's no, something it's with Quad a was, I would be... It's Quad City DJs. I yes. love Wu-Tang Clan, though, so that would be what I would dance to, maybe. <laughs> right. I don't know if that would be appropriate yeah. or okay. <laughs> They've got clean edits right. and everything. Do so they? we chose Space Jam by Quad City DJs as the song, and it is a blast. And the reason why that song was uh, even brought up as an option was because Sydney and Billy know each other previously, before this, playing sports um, through Amherst College. Um, Sydney has participated in some camp programming that Billy's run, and so sports seemed like a natural, they're both athletes, it seemed like a natural you know, direction to go to for the routine. How did this team get put together? How do the teams generally get put together? So Cindy and, and Billy, how did you come together to dance? Well, uh, I got a, a call from Pathlight and uh, wanted to know if I would be interested. And I couldn't say no. When I found out Cindy was involved, I think I'll jump with joy because she's been a part of the Western Mass Special Olympics that's held every Sunday at Amherst College for the last three years. Wow. And I just felt so blessed to be able to be a part of that in that way, other than, you know, they say giving helps the the receiver, but giving helps the giver. And I was just so excited about it. 
And, uh, you know, I always say what Cindy wants, she gets. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, when I was a little kid, I volunteered for the Special Olympics, and it really set my whole life on a different course, I think, that volunteer and seeing that fun and excitement. My nephew, who has Down syndrome, participates in the Special Olympics, so I really love it. So, Sydney, tell me about your experience with Special Olympics and then getting to dance with Billy. I've been involved in the Western Mass Special Olympics for, like, three years now, and I do basketball and soccer on Sundays at Amherst College where Billy is the athletic director and the students help out and volunteer and it's all around just a really fun time. I heard something amazing about your soccer team happening that just happened. Do you want to mention the the accolades that you just won? We just won first place at our state tournament this past weekend. Wow, congratulations. Really and is being an athlete why you wanted to go with the Space Jam theme? Because it's a, a basketball movie? Pretty much. <laughs> it be fun. We might have some basketball tricks involved. Oh. Oh, nice. All right. What style of dance is this one team? We're not trying to favor one team over the others because Khalees is a judge, and this is almost <laughs> unfair that she's going to spend a lot, so much face time with this one team. Keep this in mind as you go to the event on Saturday. But what style of dance is this going to be, Lauren? Who's the uh, choreographer? If I had to put a spin on it, I would say jazz funk. Okay. It feels a little hip hop, so there might be a little, you know, bit of that in there, but high energy, you know, halftime show dance. That's what it is. <laughs> Do Cindy and Billy get to put in their input for some of the movement that you wanted to involve too? I know you mentioned something was a little extra sporty. Yes. They definitely they were my right-hand people while we were doing it, giving me the ideas of what felt good for them in their bodies. And then the possible basketball section is all them. Okay, okay cool. Are, are <laughs> either or both of you uh, dancers or do you like to dance usually? Or is this something that's putting you out of your comfort zone? Billy? Uh, I, I love it. I've always loved dance. I mean, being a former athlete, a professional athlete, has been part of my development because, you know, I'm not a big stretcher, but ballet was a part of it. Yeah. You know, I've done, I've done ballroom salsa, and so this was a great fit, but this is a little different. It's a little bit more challenging because i got to pull out some old moves that I haven't used in a long time. Well, I've been <laughs> studying martial arts, and I know that my school has sometimes taught classes through what was called Hold Children and Pathlight, and uh, I always call it murder ballet. So it's, like, very, very similar. The different <laughs> types of athletic movements all lead down the road to dance. What about you, Sydney? Are, are you a dancer? I am a dancer. I really like dancing at the dances that Pathlight has. One or two times every session they hold a dance, have a dance, and it's really fun just to hang out and dance with people. It's called Pathlight Presents Let's Dance, a night of dancing and celebration to support enrichment programs for people with developmental disabilities. It's this Saturday, the 11th, at the ballroom at the Sheraton Springfield Monarch Place Hotel with Khalees Smith as judge. I, I'm not the highlight of this whole thing. You guys are the highlight of this thing. I just get to participate, for which I am very excited. Leslie Tate, who's communications director at Pathlight, where did the idea for using dance as a fundraiser for your organization come about? We wanted to do a fundraiser that really kind of sp spotlighted the individuals who use our services. And so Let's Dance makes our Pathlight individuals the stars. One of our missions is to involve people with disabilities into the community. And so what better way than doing this through dance that everybody gets to enjoy and see um, all of our individuals who are so you know special and great interacting with community members and then presenting it to the community. 
the integration is what's uh, really key, I think, in w- the mission, the overall mission of what Pathlight does. What are some of the other programs that uh, you'd see on a day-to-day basis through Pathlight? Well, you mentioned before Whole Children and Milestones, which is kind of a continuation of the same program. That is for anyone in the community. It's open to people of all abilities. And um, it starts at about age three, and it just goes right on up through adulthood. And we have classes every session. We have four sessions a year, winter, spring, summer, fall. And um, we offer after school and Saturday classes for people. And they are all sorts of interests like theater, dancing. We have chorus. We have cooking, video games. It kind of goes on and on. That's one of our programs. Um, We also have other programs like family empowerment. We have residential programs for people who uh, live in homes. And we have Autism Connections, which provides services for people with autism, specifically helping them navigate different services and different opportunities that are open to them. Cindy, what are some of your favorite classes or, or other activities that you get to do with Pathlight? Well, um, I really like doing a lot of their classes. I've taken a cooking class. I did one of their theater classes, and I also did the video gaming class, which was pretty fun. That sounds fun. Did you beat a game or more? Which yes. What was your favorite game to beat? Mario Kart. Uh, yeah. I heard that that's a stress-inducing game. I just read an article about that yesterday. <laughs> I did have a, a mild migraine-induced seizure after playing it one time, but we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> you've choreographed this many times, you've said, Lauren, four times. Yes. What, what keeps bringing you back to this event for Pathlight? I'm taking a cue from Leslie. There was something that Leslie said to our team last Wednesday when we were at rehearsal. Leslie said, let's dance is Pathlight's mission in action. It's hard to describe how special this event is until you're there and you see people on stage doing something that maybe they never thought they'd do or imagine that they could do and seeing the people who are there supporting them and the way that it impacts the people being, I'm so honored to witness it. That's what keeps me coming back. The energy, having a team that is all in and excited and ready to showcase all the awesome that they bring to the world. It brings me back. I would do this forever. There's 11 teams competing for this fundraiser. You'll get to see 11 different dance teams work out their routines on stage this Saturday at the Sheraton in Springfield. It should be a good time. You guys are doing real well in the fundraising. I'm looking at the numbers. Oh, wow. That's excellent. That's cheating, too, as a judge, Sorry. I think, Khalees. Okay. Billy, I'll put this away. <laughs> Billy McBride, who uh, is a coach, though, at Amherst College, uh, you're dancing with Sydney, who's a younger person. You're an older person. Is there a move that you do that makes you feel like you're really in your body now that you have uh, taken on this challenge to dance for yeah. Let's Dance this Saturday? I've been coached for a long time. I'm more of an administrator. Uh-huh. But the one theme that I get from it that I enjoy the most, I call it a rhythm of a community. And a rhythm of a community that consists of love for one another and being able to be more inclusive to all communities, all the people that are involved. And for me to be a part of such an event, it just adds growth, you know, and it, and it brings about joy. And, and so for me, it's just another step towards something that's beautiful. Sydney, you got a favorite move? I really like when we run up and 
high five each other. It's just a really great moment that we made up. Thanks to Cindy Munger, Billy McBride, Lauren Engelbrecht, and Leslie Tate for chatting with us about their event. You can still get tickets to List Dance and or donate on their website at pathlightgroup.org where you'll find videos and information about all of their other programming as well. We'll post links in the show notes. Next, we're going to play around with Liz Rosenberg of the Toy Box and Amherst celebrating 20 years in downtown. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Khalees Smith. You're not supposed to believe everything you see on the internet, but if the Instagram post of the Toy Box Amherst is to be believed, fact, six-year-olds laugh an average of 300 times a day Adults only laugh 15 to 100 times a day, unless that adult's name is Khalees Smith. I laugh a lot. I do, too. And that's a good (laughs) thing. It's time to laugh, says the Toy Box in Amherst, tomorrow night, Thursday, November 9th, from 6.30 to 8.30. So you think you're too old for a toy store challenge. S-Y-T-Y-T-O-F-A-T-S challenge. First of all, I think I win this challenge because I play with things all the time. Khalees is literally going to a game night tonight. I am. I play many games with my family still, but grown-ups don't play games. Liz Rosenberg, who has run the Toy Box in Amherst for the last 20 years? Grown-ups do play games. Of course they do. But grown-ups should play games more. So Grown- why yeah, why is this challenge that. happening? Grown-ups should just play more. I think that um, you know, playing, game playing, role playing, all of this is what we teach our children to do. And they should start as early as possible, but never stop. You should never stop. All of these amazing benefits for playing games um, should just keep going with you. And you'll have an opportunity to do that as part of the celebration of 20 years of the Toy Box in Amherst, right there on North Pleasant Street next to one of our favorite Chinese food restaurants. Yum. (laughs) But tell us, how does a a pretty small toy store survive 20 years in the era of first big toy stores coming and then going? And then Amazon coming and going. What is it that has made the Toy Box and Amherst last? Well, you know, I heard a conversation once amongst the manufacturers and they were talking, toy manufacturers, and they were talking about the independent toy store and what makes an independent toy store. And they were talking about the independent toys, the the products themselves. And somebody cut in and said, no, it's not that. It's the curation. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that, I think, is what makes or or breaks um, a business in general. But um, of all the independent toy products that are available, what's brought in? Are they well-matched with the community? Are they well-matched with uh, the people who are running the store? Mm-hmm. Are, are the people who are running the store and who are working at the store well-matched with the product? So it's kind of a, a full a full circle of making sure that um, that the understanding of the product and of the customer is appropriate. And I think that, you know, putting us smack between, literally smack between UMass and Amherst College, and also in a great family neighborhood of Amherst, um, I think that, you know, we can't just sell toys for zero to six-year-olds. We need to we need to have products that will make everybody happy, including olds like us who can come and play tomorrow to celebrate with the Toy Box and Amherst celebrating 20 years. S-Y-T-Y-T-O-F-A. Are you pronouncing that as an acronym? 
Uh, I am. I am calling it Cytitafats. Cytitafats Challenge. So you think you're too old for a toy store. <laughs> I love Cytitafats. Come on, Cytitafats. I had that once and I took penicillin and Cyti- went away. No, Cytitafats are, are the good fats. Oh, okay, we've good. Already, we've already defined them. Um, so they are the good fats and they are the fats that you want that you want to like literally drip those fats because joy is contagious. This is a 21 plus event though. This so is, is a 21 plus event. Yes. You can say beer. You can say there beer. There will be beer and wine. It's not we're not oh, the alcohol beverage see? commission. They may bust you but we're not going to. Oh, it's going to be tiny. Tiny beers. Tiny beers and tiny wines. Okay, well, I'm not going to get involved with your legal dramas with the Alcohol <laughs> Beverage Commission. I'm it's just going only... to come there and play. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, we're not. <laughs> You've brought a giant selection of really awesome things, all of which I want to play with because I am not one of the people that you need to sell on this idea. And so what are some of the things that people that you find are easiest to get folks into when they're a little skeptical? And old. It's skeptical and old. Well, I will say um, of recent, when you talked about 20 years in business, of recent, people are looking for comfort. And when they're looking for comfort, they're either looking for nostalgia or literally physical comfort. So the uptick in stuffed animals, you all call them, we call them plush in the biz. (laughs) Um, The uptick in stuffed animals is unbelievable. Um, People are looking for... People of all ages are looking for stuffed animals. I'm holding in my fabulous paws right now this tiny little um, celebration crustacean, it's called. (laughs) It's a little shrimp with a party hat on. (laughs) Um, And it is the softest, cutest. cutest. Can I hold him? Here you go. go. We saw you unboxing an octopus on your uh, Instagram account, too. And I had such envies. It is a giant octopus. It is the size of you. Like It it is adult size, and it looks so soft and so huggable. It is. Oh, my gosh. Well, both of these items, the crustacean and the octopus, are are by Jelly Cat, and they are— you know, there was just a write-up in the Wall Street Journal all about how adults are flocking to jelly cat items, that there is, there's comfort. And it's... People love soft things. There is nothing wrong. People sometimes say in my store, oh, I can't, you know, they're holding a stuffed animal and they're like, oh, I can't explain, but it's for me. And I think, <laughs> of course, why not? There is nothing to be ashamed of. Absolutely. If you need, you know, you need these things. So I will tell you um, a few, I did bring... Way too many things. But um, one thing that's very simple that I love when adults come in and they are looking for something, they're looking for a journal for themselves. We carry a smattering of journals. And, you know, I particularly like the ones that have good texture to them. Yeah. And, you know, when they before they leave, I just, I need to guide them over to the pens. <laughs> because we carry so many amazing gel pens and they're fun and they're joyful. They're and long they're, and rubbery. And they're they look long like and rubbery. Half a fly swatter length with a little floppy like head on the top of them. And yeah, my daughter put this one around her belly button, which was a little bit weird. The chameleon, <laughs> the chameleon, chameleon has one, a funny there's tail. A, a panda bear. Now that the Chinese are taking their panda bears back, oh, we can I play know. With a, a panda bear pen. You can have a panda bear pen. Yeah. You just can't have a panda bear. With, and, so it's doubly dangly. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the beauty is that these pens are fine tip gel pens. They write beautifully, mm-hmm. so you can write beautifully. You can entertain all your friends on your Zoom sessions if you have to do that. And, you know, it's just, why not be happy when you write? We're, um, we're speaking with Liz Rosenberg, who has run the Toy Box in Amherst on North Pleasant Street for 20 years and is celebrating with the site. Cy- 
Taito Fats Challenge, right? Is that saying yeah, it right? Well done. So you think you're too old for a toy store. It's tomorrow night, Thursday night, between 6.30 and 8.30. 21 plus, so you don't give up on your childhood. And we've got a couple minutes left, and you brought a game. Okay, Let's yeah. play this one Let's over here. Let's talk about this one Cross called? Clues. So yeah. Cross Clues is a new game out in the world, and a new game to us, obviously. And it's basically you set up a grid. It's an alphanumeric grid. So maybe letters across the top, numbers down the side. And under all of those letters and numbers are you put words that are in card form, and you stick them underneath. And then the person who is running this 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 um, game game, thank you, <laughs> hard word, um, picks out a coordinate. So pick out a coordinate. It's I, like battleship I slash pick, bingo. Well, I can't tell you what I pick. Yeah. But so what I have to do with the one I pick is I have to come up with one word that makes the, the alphanumeric coordinate match. And we so, have to guess what the word is. So we're choosing between octopus, dog, old, treasure, and tall, and also joy, happiness, cold, ring, and wardrobe. Okay, so this Liz Rosenberg, one go. is... <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm switching. <laughs> <laughs> cheater! <laughs> cheater, cheater. Um, this reminds me of code see. names. I love code names. Mm-hmm. Raincoat. Okay. Uh, tall wardrobe. That's E5. What I was E5. Close. I didn't get um, it. No, let's see if I can come up with another one. Uh, well. We're running out of time, so it's a draw. Oh my gosh. Liz okay, Rosenberg okay, okay, from the okay, Toy okay, Box okay. celebrating <laughs> 20 years with the Taito Fats Challenge. So you think you're too old for a toy store. But there's so, one, Thursday night. Things here. So come play. 6.30 to 8.30. Come play. It's a it's a really fun, great store. My family has grown up going to that store, and it's it's wonderful. Puzzles, and, coloring books, color by numbers, yeah. thank, socks, all sorts. Thank and you there, so much. And there's good freebies, so come on for those. And Ooh. congratulations on being a business in downtown Amherst for 20 years. Tomorrow on the show, you might have seen the pictures of somebody paddling his way down a river in a giant pumpkin. Living his best fairy tale dreams. Well, Thursday on the Fabulous 413, we will talk to that someone, Dave Rothstein, about getting his huge gourd off the ground and taking it down the Connecticut River. Plus, we'll hear from Executive Director of Image Cinema in Williamstown about the Indigenous Film Festival they're presenting this weekend. And U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern returns. Got a question for him? The Fab 413 at NEPM.org. I'm Monty Belmonte. I'm Kelly Smith. We'll see you tomorrow on the Fabulous 413. You're just making yourself look worse.